All right, everybody, welcome back to the Best Hour of Your Day podcast. Fern here with uh, two of my favorite people, one of my, my favorite couples. Tosh and I talked about, <laughs> Tosh and I talked about you in uh, the podcast that I did with Tosh. So if you guys haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to it. But uh, Chris and Andrea Smith, um, owners of CrossFit Trident in the D.C. area. And, uh, but I wanted to have them on the show because they're unique in a lot of different ways. Um, so they own the gym together, but they also own multiple other businesses, a wealth of knowledge. Uh, both have been on seminar staff, uh, for many, many years. So just, you know, when I think I'm busy, I think about you guys and then, <laughs> uh, and then sure. I feel like a chump and I'm like, ah, I should be getting back to work. So, um, I know you guys are both super busy and we were chatting before this and things are going really well. So thank you guys for hopping on the call. Awesome, man. I'm kind of excited to be here. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> I can never know to Fern. I, uh, I, all, I like, so I tell people this all the time. The podcast is purely selfish for me. Like, I just like to talk to people. And, like, I always enjoy talking to you guys because you guys have, like, so much energy. I don't yeah. know how to deal with it. Like, it's like. Yeah. <laughs> it's infectious and contagious at the same time, which is I nice. know. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. Um, but first and foremost, how long have you guys had the affiliate? We are ramping up on our Come, closing in on 10. Yeah, closing on our 10th year in May. Yeah, we, we affiliated in, I think, January, actually, of 2010. Yeah. So, and we oh, didn't I thought you guys. I thought you guys had been, I thought you guys were older than us. We're just a couple months ahead of you guys. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you guys are ahead of us, I think. Yeah, yeah. just by we like a couple months. military contracts that we were teaching under another affiliate name um, that Chris had partnered with that. Um, a friend of his, mm -hmm. and we had those actually for a few years before we opened the gym. Okay. Uh, but yeah. that's not an active affiliate any longer. Yeah. So technically. Not officially on our timeline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. got it. We're rolling on a decade. Got it. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. just a little bit more background. So, you know, so Chris was active duty in the SEAL teams for many, many years. Uh, Andrea, how long have you been in the coffee business? I, don't, I almost don't want to say because it'll show you my true ancient Chris and Andrea are both—they're both 35 years old. They're both 35 years old. Um, yeah. it, is, it is coming on 28 years. That's cool. Yeah. So you own two coffee shops in addition to owning one of the larger gyms in the DC area, and Chris does some stuff on the government contracting. So anybody who is trying to figure out some nuggets from a business standpoint, you don't don't go anywhere, or just put this thing on pause before you go. Yeah. But, um, I learned everything the hard way, so I can tell you all the ways not to. In all seriousness, I wanted to have you guys both on the podcast because I always enjoy our conversations, Andrea, because I too have learned most things the hard way. And, but I think that's the most valuable, right? Like I don't, I don't find the people who are, who crushed it the first time to be super useful. Like there's no yeah. lessons learned there. That's just maybe luck, maybe, a, maybe they might just be an outlier, but, um, and it's not scalable for them either because they don't have the experiences of, of making the, the, the wrong decisions a thousand times over. You know, they're like, oh, this is so easy. I can do it again. I'm like, well, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that wasn't as easy to replicate as I thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's start with um, you guys. So you started early in the CrossFit kind of actually before the boom, if we will, because I was like 13, 14. Yeah. But you guys were – how many affiliates were there in the kind of Alexandria, D.C. area when you guys started? There weren't a ton. Like in Alexandria, there was actually 
Well, there were two because I forgot Outlaw was here too. Yep. Um, they so were literally right down the street from you guys, right? Yeah. Literally, like yeah. And CrossFit Old Town was very close to Outlaw too. Um, so those were the only two in Alexandria at the time. Mm -hmm. And then there were some in the DC area, but a ton came up probably by 2012, 2013. Yeah, we I had, would say that there was like a huge, huge amount. Yeah. But still not a ton in um, the Alexandria where we live. Like there's Old Town, which is this kind of historic area. And then the city of Alexandria extends a little bit out from that. And within the city of Alexandria limits, there's still not a ton. Um, just I think because there aren't that many appropriate spaces. And the, the real there, estate's really expensive here too. Yeah. So. The buy-in is it's it's high. Yeah, it's significant. We have there are five crossfits within what a mile, a and, mile a half, and a half or two miles within yeah. two miles. Which a lot of people think that's close, but as you kind of creep into the Beltway, a mile and a half is far as far yeah. as yeah, exactly. You know, so Absolutely. it's kind of like the New York area. Where like once it becomes more metropolitan, then proximity becomes less of a of a, an issue, just because the. Uh, Traffic of people inside that mountain have to support. Exactly. Um, but I do, so you guys, when we've talked before, I mean, I think your gym at, at one point like peaked over 600. I don't know where you guys are now, but considerably more than the average CrossFit gym. And yeah. kind of where I wanted to start with this is some of the things that you guys have learned over the years as far as managing a large community and then how that relates and rolls over into dealing with large classes. Because I know it's not uncommon for you guys to have 30 people in a class. Yeah. Like how do you most people that their brain would explode and and you and I asked that question because I know you guys both seasoned trainers and there's 30 people in those classes and you have a big community but they're still coaching going down in those classes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think one of the biggest lessons for a large volume like a large population of athletes at our largest number was close to 650 um which is a lot of people. We had a 5,000 spaces right there? No, like initially when we were there, I think we only had the 5,000 5, square feet. feet. And then it moved up to like 10, about, 000. no, 7,500 because we, we subleased. Oh, we subleased it by the park, About yeah. 7,500. But um, then, yeah, it was, too, it was too big. It was to too honest. big, yeah. It was too many people to keep what we were trying to create. We were trying to create a fabric of community where people felt like they got coaching, people felt they were inclusive with our tribe. They felt like they got attention. Um, they all got the seven touches that we talk about, about being good, effective coaches. Uh, but that number grew when it was at 650. It was too much and we couldn't manage. It, we seemed to have lost that connection with people because there were just too many people. So we, so we stopped, actually stopped taking members. We stopped taking members for a long time to get that number down to four. Well, like, I think like a really, we were in a pretty sweet spot um, being like totally frank as far as like the gym, like, revenue being really high and at being manageable i would say our, our most ideal time was when we were at about 500 about, about numbers. 500 yeah now we are at over 400 which is pretty cool we had actually and again i don't mind being frank if you yeah. know chris yeah. we had gotten down to probably 350 mm -hmm. at one point um and that was about over a year ago correct yep and we uh chris and i actually both got back in the gym made a ton of changes, not changes actually, we just kind of brought everything, tightened everything up. Yeah, right so at the rudder, so to speak. Yeah, right yeah, at the right rudder. The um, and we are now back up over 400, which is a good and sustainable place, I think, for us. Like we, you know, I think 
I don't feel like we failed going from 650 down to even 350 or whatever. Like we, when we were, we rode the market and nothing can grow like, can, can continually grow like CrossFit was growing. And there's always going to be a drop off. And I think where I would have been afraid is if we had ever gotten down to like 250 or two, like a number that was like, wow, that's tough for us to sustain everything. Yeah. Um, it was interesting but, yeah. though, being at that 650, yes, we stopped taking members to lower our membership. But at the same time, we were talking earlier about more gyms kept populating. So there was a, I felt like a finite number of people that were crossfitting. Yeah, not saturation. Coming, saturation. Now we're spreading it, we're dispersing those members out to more and more gyms. And we're seeing the effect of that, yeah. which was positive for us because we were trying to bring down our membership. But uh, as we crept down lower and lower, because more gyms were kind of getting out in the market and people just finding spaces closer to their homes or closer to their workplaces, um, more convenient, right? Not necessarily about the coaching and the fabric of the gym, but more convenient, uh, which is super important for this transit area that we live in. Um, but I think Andrew's right. I think our sweet spot's right in that 400, 450. I think we can control that amount of people with the number of coaches we have on staff. I think that the connection is still there. We're trying to, to exhibit in our gym. Um, and just a, it's just a better feeling space, you know? So I, there's for sure somebody that's listening to this and is not able to comprehend what you're saying, which is like, hey, less is more. Like, because all yeah. people are looking at that. I know somebody's like doing the math on their calculator. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> They're like, oh my God. Like, you forfeited how much money in, run, in monthly revenue and, and in a better place? Like, yeah. so how, like, what was it about that that you guys decided to forfeit something in order to get more on the back end? Think about it like your friendship circle. You can have 20 acquaintances that you're spending time with, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. You can have, five really good friends. I would, I would go for the latter. I would rather have five really good friends that I can hang out with. They know me, they can trust me, we can trust them. I would rather have that than have the 20 kind of standard by acquaintances. And that's how I feel about the gyms. Like when I come to the gym, man, you know, I know everybody's name. I know their kids. We've seen their kids grow up. Now they're in our CrossFit Teens program. We know their businesses. And I can control like that number of like at that 400 mark, I feel like our coaching staff, myself, my wife, we can kind of control that space. When it got too big, you just saw these random people just blowing by you that you weren't, really, you weren't connecting with. Well, and what it so, does too is a lot of that, when you're at a really huge number, um, there's a, what we were doing and what CrossFit was doing was attract, attracting a lot of people that really didn't want to do CrossFit. Yeah. So what happened is they would come in and yeah, you're getting this revenue, but are they giving anything to the community? Not really. What it was was kind of draining resources, not just physical, like space, but like, you know, emotional and mental resources are going to people that are not really committed to being a part of your community. And so, I mean, you could argue that, hey, you can make them a part of your community. And some of them you would, but there was a big, a, a large percentage were just riding that wave. And not to, this is probably going to sound like that, <laughs> pigeonholing, but I am a woman that's going to be 47 next month but there's particularly there's a very fickle part of the fitness market that I would say is largely driven by women actually anywhere from like early 20s up to I'd say early 50s that is a pretty fickle um and like they're they're gonna ride whatever is is the big new thing you know and so they're looking some, for trendy stuff yes yeah yeah and it's nothing against 
I'm not being negative about them, but if you if you spend a lot of your resources and energy on trying to attract and maintain that population, you're kind of like chasing something that is not good to chase because by nature, they're not going to stay. Like as soon as something new comes out, they're going to move on to that. So obviously if you can convert people into like being part of your community and like, Oh, they become a lifelong crossfitter. That's great. But if you're just trying to get these massive numbers, I just feel like it, it really does affect the quality. And as far as money goes, like you said, people are like, how would you get rid of that much revenue? Other mistake that we really made um, opening up when we opened is Chris calls them drug deals. We have a lot of drug deals, a lot of drug deals, a lot of super cheap memberships, free memberships, or we call them $0 memberships. Um, like, and so our ACV, our average client value was, lower. was lower. Now we were make we took a hit financially in our gross for sure. And even in not just our gross in our net. Yeah. But now where we've climbed back up in the last year, the gym is almost, I wouldn't say it's not as profitable as our peak, but it's pretty dang profitable. Yeah. Um, and we're, because we've got a higher ACV and things are just more manageable and our retention is better because what you look at with the, a smaller amount of people, like one that you could kind of, that fits in your model, they're going to stay and be happy. You know, they're going to yeah. feel connected. They're going to tell their friends. So then the people that join are people that are joining because of what you offer, not just because, oh, that sounds cool, CrossFit, I'm going to try it. You know, it's funny. I'm sorry, go ahead. Frank. No, no, go ahead. Uh, it's, it's funny because we were talking a little bit about, about revenue. And when I look at my membership platform, I look at my numbers, it's, I don't often go to the bottom line where it's the revenue. I go for, oh, what's our retention like? How many people are staying more than three months? Yeah. How many people are staying more than, you know, more yeah. than six months? Oh, my God, I've got guys that have been here for nine years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, far more impactful for me, far more viable than what the bottom line for the, the number is of what you're making in a month, you know? So on that note, let's just go right there because I think that's a, a this is something that I personally switched gears on, you know, embarrassingly, so six months ago. Right. You know? Because uh, I got something I want to come back to, but like, what what have you guys found to be effective? Or is there anything in particular that you do that is that is retention based, like within the community that you guys have found to be effective? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that I think there's one thing that people don't talk about, but there there's a fine line between doing what's always worked and being stuck in like the an old no era way, yeah do you know what i mean and i think yep. one thing that we've we've made a shit ton of mistakes make no mistake about that but one thing we've done well is i think we've always been able to kind of hold true to what we believe but also be like hey you know is is the if the market's changing we need to kind of be accommodating that to some degree and be open to new ways of doing things and without completely changing the fabric of what we're doing, you know? And I think what? that is a way that we've been able to ma maintain retention. Like an example would be- Yeah, that's know, what I was gonna ask you as an example. Yeah, like what? Like open gym is a thing that, you know, gyms used to hate, right? They're like- I still hate They're like, I, I hate <laughs> open gym. We don't want people coming doing their secret program. They're not part of the community. 
to be blah, 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 blah. And I remember I was the one that pushed it. I'm like, you know what? People want to do it. Fine. We're going to charge the same membership. It's not a cheaper deal because yeah. they're using this. They actually are using more resources in a way because they're, they're usually the there longer. Yeah. Yeah. But they're actually getting more convenience for the same dollar figure, which exactly. works from the way, like the way everything else works. Like if you want more convenience, you generally pay more. Yeah. Yeah. And so we yeah. didn't like, we didn't change our prices, but we have, we're set up to where we can have open gym and, you know, the more we opened it, an interesting thing happened. I think it increases retention because people love knowing that we have it. And yes, we have a small amount of, I mean, my thought was, well, hey, a couple extra grand a month, because even if it's only, you know, what, 10, 15 people, yeah. whatever, that wouldn't join otherwise. But what it really provides as far as retention is people use it yeah. every now and again, or they ah. like knowing that it's there. And that's what I was going to ask you is ever since we did it, ever since we did it, I actually see less people use yes. it. Fewer people. Yeah. yeah. I bet you out of our total membership, we have 10 people the, like consistently. that consistently use open gym. But so for like 1% rough. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's 10 people. But some of the members that, Oh, I missed this workout or I'm going to work on a little bit more strength. I want to work on a little bit more mobility, whatever it is. They have that opportunity now. Our gym is kind of set; they can do that really well, and that's a that's value added. Without there's zero cost to us, but it's huge value added. And I resisted for oh, I pushed hard eight years, <laughs> yeah. eight years, seven. I got, I got to seven. seven. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so that that's one thing that I've that I've I guess matured into over the years is is trying to be less rigid without compromising my values, which is like, Hey, we can, we can offer that and still keep the things that we think are important. Yeah. And that's a hard concept to wrap my brain, it's hard to wrap your brain around at first. You're like, no, no, if we do this, we, we forfeit everything. Like we're just yeah. going to just throw it all out the window, but that's not the case. Yeah. It's funny. One of the values, like I'm not a big, like we don't have rules on our gym walls. Like yeah. the community has established a guideline of rules, right? And I told the people that are open gym, I'm like, hey, man, check it out. I'm giving you guys this as a gift. If I found barbells out, chalk out, gym looking like a piece of crap, I'm going to take this from you. And it's interesting because those guys and those girls police themselves. And They're other like, people. And other people are like, hey, man, this is for us. Don't leave your stuff hanging around here. Don't leave Don't you up. blow it for the group. Yeah, yeah exactly. Quit, though. Like, Chris, like, yelled at one guy's yeah. girlfriend because she was, like, doing um, some kind of – back rack overhead oh. lunges with no plates and just threw the barbell on the ground chains on the bar I yeah yeah like, with chains yeah people all over the internet just were just like oh yeah exactly exactly her boyfriend quit like the next day i was like dude you shouldn't have been so harsh i'm like no i should have been that harsh because you know what we don't have people throwing stuff around the gym and if, i'm not gonna let one person ruin my entire fabric what i'm what i believe in and, so. and another example i think another couple of examples along the same line are like crossfit kids not being honest it's never been revenue producing for us because paying the coaches the coach to athlete ratio um it's never been revenue producing but we've always done it and what we did over the years is we kept modifying it and we got to this place now in the last two years where it's like hey we have it at 9 a.m so it's in conjunction with a class that parents can go to at the same time, nine to nine fifteen, we do free play. So the kids get to just go crazy and whatever. Yeah. And then the class is 45 minutes. And even though it's not income producing, I think it is because it leads to retention yeah. because parents love being able yeah. to come with their kids and have that. 
we had a teens class, same thing. I didn't want to do it. Chris pushed that this because he's like, hey, we have that but right now we can teach every age group except for teens. We have kids, we have seniors, we have everyone else, and we have kids that have outgrown the kids and they don't have anywhere to go. We're yeah. not offering that. So we do that, and again, not revenue producing. Childcare, did not want to really have childcare because it's a hassle to hire someone for an hour. But that has been yeah, a really been... great thing because it's just, even if it's only five moms that are regularly using it, just to know that it's there and to, like that's, it's added value. And I think those are the kind of, like if you're always just looking at the bottom line, you, you miss, miss a lot of you're things. You're going to miss yeah. some of those things that I think lead to retention. Yeah, the the childcare thing is something that we, I think, is super valuable too. Like, and it is. I don't know that anybody that is r running a net positive on childcare. Yeah. Like, we're definitely not. Like, we just like to not try to lose money on it. But mm -hmm. um, But even as it's one of those, it's one of those pieces of the business. At least in my experience in our gym, is that it it. If everybody that used it left, it would not be a huge hit to the bottom line, but right. it does add tremendous value to the gym. Yeah. So it's like we keep it because those those people are members that we want to keep because they're a huge part of the community. Yeah. But it's not something that I think I think most people look at it and be like, childcare is a game changer, your gym's gonna yeah. explode. And I'm like, not not really. Like it's not that not that you could use it enough. Like we only we only offer it honestly three days a week. Um, at our 930 class and it's funny like we had a, a provider that was like oh I can do five days a week but I've just been in business long enough and managing people and I was just like you know what it's hard enough to cover three days a week on a regular basis yeah. like it's always better to add like people don't like having stuff taken away you shouldn't add something thinking oh we'll test it out for a month because people oh, yeah. are going to get pissed even if yeah. they don't use it yeah. so I think it's better to like manage expectations and yeah here's what's here's less. a lesson learned i thought for the child care because again where i was thinking about taking it away because it was just becoming problematic it was just like a dumping point for some of the kids <laughs> when i sat down with like the moms i'm like hey this is program isn't working for me what can we do mm -hmm. and we had a little we had a little meeting with nine or eleven moms whatever it is and they came up with the solution right we came up with the price point we came up with a few people that could watch the kids and when our paid person doesn't uh, they're not going to be there for that day. One of the moms will take, will not work out and watch the kids. I'm like, well, this program is valuable. You know? Yes. I mean, it's not making any money. I don't know if it is or not. I do know it is. It's not making any money. But <laughs> it's uh, the value there that you see the moms drop the kids off for that little hour of the day. They get a workout and you look at their faces and it's like, thank you. Thank you for giving me this hour that I can yes. just ask. So, been hours in the gym just enjoying the day. Yeah. And I get part of that. And it's we found a sweet spot. We and I got this from um, Damon. I think his last name is Jones. He was out in Utah. He did a bunch of stuff with the regionals for for Damon Stewart. Stewart. Damon Stewart. Okay. No, Damon. From Damon. Who used to own Wasatch Cross? Cross yes, Cross. correct. Yeah, because yeah. he used to drop in. His wife has family in Virginia Beach, and he used to drop into the box all the time. And I was I was in that spot where I could not like childcare was driving me nuts. Yeah, and he 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 was like, dude, just run a co-op. So ever since we have run a co-op version of childcare and all that, all the way we run it is, um, the, if, if moms want to participate in the co-op, all they have to do is volunteer, volunteer something between three to four hours a month. So maybe one right. day a week 
Right. We, we waive their childcare fee and I give them a discount on their membership. And I am for the most part, for the most part, part vehemently opposed to discounts. But this is one of the right. ones where I concede because I'm like, that adds value. They're happy and they manage all of it. Like anything yeah. that comes up with childcare, I'm like, I don't touch childcare. Like, yeah, it's your you, co-op. Sort it out, you guys solve that problem if you want it. Yeah. I'm giving you free reign to literally do it however you want, and it works out perfectly. Like, I have no idea what the rules are in childcare, but I know that it works. Do you offer it just one time at one hour a day, one session a day, or? Uh, no. So we offer it all the nine a.m.s, and then we've gone back and forth between offering it at the five p.m.s. Um, so I think I think currently we don't offer it on Friday because there's very little need for it on Fridays. Okay. So we basically have nine nine hours a week where it's available yeah that's awesome yeah yeah but that one that one has been a game changer and and what we have is we have people that don't have kids that find out about the co-op who opt in and i'm like that's added value that is worth yeah take it yeah exactly. worth 30 bucks to me like i don't care um yeah so uh, i wanted to go back to something because you guys brought it up um and it's something that i definitely have not figured out and talking about the I just lost you on video, but the, uh, yes. the, so you guys expanded the business and then contracted and have now have found that sweet spot. And I've always struggled with anybody who has not gone through that process and said, I don't want that because for me, I find it hard to make that statement without knowing, like, for instance, they're like, I don't want a 300 person gym. And my, I always ask myself this question is like, do I not want a 300 person gym? Cause I've never, had, I've never had one. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Or, or am I saying that because I'm not skilled enough to grow to a 300 person gym? Yeah. So I, I look at it the other way. Like, do you guys feel that you could have gotten to this spot without kind of the, the overstretching of the business and, and hit it some other way? I think the overstretching of the business was a huge lesson. Um, and it was early on. It was probably, I don't remember how many first years. First couple of years. First couple of years. Well, we, have, we had some complicated, I mean, we have a couple of, just so that like anyone listening doesn't think, like some of the factors that I think made things different for us is we self-funded originally and we both had other sources of income. Yeah. And some people are critical of that because they're like, oh, you're not all in. So you don't know what it's like to, but at the same time, we were freaking all in in the sense of yeah. like, it's not like we were never at the gym but from day one we knew like hey this can't be the chris and andrea show all right, the time right like we need to be able to build a team um, but to be but clear like to during during that time you guys at least from what i've talked to you guys you guys were paying yourselves though oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah so that's different right so i i know people yeah i know people that are doing that and they're like they don't pay themselves no, that i do believe we ran it like a business yeah, yeah. and like okay. from day one we when we were doing even the plan, like I remember being like, Hey, all our classes have to have a value, whether yeah. we're coaching them or not. Like we can't be like, Oh, we don't, we don't have payroll because if we're not coaching these classes, we're going to be paying someone else to coach them. Right. And so we have to figure that money in or you're, you're fooling yourself. It's you funny. Know? So we just recorded I, this, this podcast might go up next week, but we just report, recorded a podcast earlier today, me and Ackerman and Todd, and that was the episode is paying your coaches. And that is literally exactly what I said, which yeah, is, we still argue about that still today. It's, it's not, a, it's not a real business if there's no labor involved. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. you're just, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. it's like, it's like, 
I was like, if you had to pay somebody, you'd go out of business, which means this thing is a, is, is a farce. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but for the, the grab that growing pain, I think it was super, super viable for, viable for us because it made me, at least me, realign what I believed in about positive impact on people. And with that large number, I lost that, but I didn't realize I lost it until I lost it. You know, I knew we were having positive impact at a certain number. And I'm like, oh yeah. I can remember telling Andrew's like, man, I know every single person's name in this gym up to about 274 members, like every single person. I could tell you everything I knew about them. It was super awesome. As it got a little bit more, oh, you know, if you're not doing the 515 AM class because I'm never doing that class again. <laughs> <laughs> I own the gym, damn it. Um, you know, so some people don't get to make that connection to unless you see them on a Saturday or whatever as the, as the numbers got bigger. But at that larger number, I felt disconnected to way too many people. You know, and one of the rules we have in the gym, I featured all the time, is like seven touches. When someone walks through our door, hey man, you can have seven positive, at least seven positive interactions inside this space. And might not be just from one of our coaches or whatever, but you'll have those interactions. And I, would, I felt like we had lost some of that. Like, I see people like, oh, I go to Trident. And I'm like, holy shit, I don't even know you. You know, you see them out on the streets. I'm like, that's not what I'm looking for at all. What's your thoughts on Dunbar's number? Because Dunbar's number says 150, but you just said 274. Like, is that because, so like, for those of you who don't know, like Chris is obviously was a SEAL. He's an engineer. He's probably one of the smartest dudes in most rooms that he's going to sit in. He's not going to say that, but I'm going to say that. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but is there, is there something that you can do to expand that Dunbar's number of 150 as far as like getting those touches and interactions with people? Oh, I think it's the, how you interact, right? Uh, like you team. said, I'm huh? in your team. Yeah. No, I think he's talking about me yeah, just knowing just that number. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a super like, you know, not sounding douchebaggy or whatever, but my visual memory is like really, really good. I can't remember anything I read. But if I see something, I can, I can, I just visualize it. So, you know, if you're really good, I think if you're a really good coach, you're looking at all those nuanced things. You're looking at the body position. You're looking at all the movements. So you see those people and those are making connectors in your brain. So it's more than just like, oh, my name is Tom. Well, hi, Tom. My name is Chris. There's no connector there. Yeah. Inside this space with that whole seven touch rule, like I'm engaging with all these people all the time and I'm seeing something different every day because that's what I'm looking for. I'm trying to be a really good coach. So that, that active engagement. I think it allowed me to remember more about the person than just a, a passerby. You know, if you show me 200 strangers, yeah, I'm not gonna remember 200 strangers, but the interaction yeah. and me actually caring and being passionate about helping people, you know, you have some more buy-in there. And I think that's what kind of helps that out. So I don't know. That's that, cool. Me um, at least. No, I, that, that's, I, I, I've, always, I've always been kind of resistant to the Dunbar's number because I think it's actually bigger than that. I think that's just like, I think that's what you could do with no effort. Right. But I think if you really put effort, you can do more than that. Um, yeah, but look at like how people's awareness. So my wife and I are, are very different. Like we go, I go into a space and I look at, look around. And I'm like, I'll see everything. And I know where everything is. And Andrea, love it or death, will go in there and like, where's the chair? I'm like, it's right in front of you. Like, she, won't even see the, she won't even see the chair. <laughs> you run into it. Because she's not a visual, she's more of a rope learner right so so I'm visually yeah i'm a reader yeah like, he, i seem dumb to him visually. no it's not it's just and different like, way of, like <laughs> it's just different way like man i can just remember people ask me oh where's this i'm like oh it's in this drawer on this side of the drawer and i just know where things yeah. are like that so having that difference i think has helped me out and that's just probably just trying to stay alive whatever but <laughs> yeah so it's just helped out a little bit 
Um, I want to switch gears a little bit because I know you guys uh, have way more experience than this with most as far as like some kind of lessons learned with regard to leasing a building and then buying a building. Because Andrea, I know you and I have talked uh, quite a bit when I was starting the process of setting a plan in place to buy the building. And, you know, you obviously taught me some things there, but what are some things that if somebody is getting ready to open a business, you would, you look back at and you're like, Hey, these are some must with regard to leasing. Or I learned a hard lesson. Clearly I didn't learn it well enough because in actually. the space of <laughs> like, this is no shit in the space of two years, I lost the opportunity to buy the building that my business was in twice in two years. So first thing, Why, Why'd you lose that though? Uh, because I did not have first right of re refusal in my lease. And a lot of owners, understandably, when you're doing a lease, it's something they don't want to give. Um, and like, I'm not going to lie, I don't have it in the lease I just signed in the space I moved into either. So three uh, times now, three times. I got 10 more years. So okay, I got it. Okay. But I had also just bought a commercial building finally, which was kind of like a big bucket list thing for me. Um, but if you can in any way, I think people don't fight for it because when you're first starting a business, you're like, Worried you're, about money well, you're, in a, yeah. you're not in a growth mindset. You, you, you think you are because you're starting a business, but you're not. You're all contracted because you're like, oh God, I'm scared. I got no money. I just invested. <laughs> you're I over leveraged too. You realize like, yeah, oh leveraged. my God, I'm asking for all these things. I'm asking for money. I'm yeah. asking for space. And you so forget you about think. your larger picture. Yeah. Your immediate picture is, I want to open my business. I want to start training clients. I want this to happen. You forget yeah. about. Well, you're opening a business, not just a hobby gym. Yeah, you're thinking you about know? cash flow. So it doesn't seem like an important thing to fight for in a lease. And I, I wouldn't, I'm not a black and white person, and I wouldn't say it's a deal breaker every time, but I would say make a point. And also, there's a lot of owners that they don't really give a shit like about, like it's just not brought up. But yeah. if someone some, applies some pressure and says, hey, I want to I have first rate refusal they will allow that. So that's the first thing I would say is get first rate refusal um, in the, in your lease. And you have to trust, have, you have to trust your, your business too, where you're like, Oh, I'm going to make enough money. I'm going to grow this business to where I can be able to buy the real estate. Where if you're in a very small, my epic, you know, mindset, you're like, I'll Oh my God, I hope that. I can just pay my, my, pay my coaches and pay the rent this month. Well, that's not going to, not going to, do very well for you because you just can't see the bigger picture at the end of the at the end of the road. And what people don't understand is like when you're buying, when you own a building, yeah, it's like when you buy your first house, you're just like, oh my god, I can't afford this. It feels like such a stretch. But the thing is, with leases, there's going to be escalations. In a commercial lease, you're paying the taxes anyway. You're paying. You're covering all these expenses. So if you own the building you are going to, over time, your rent is going to go down, yeah. basically. And not only that, you have an opportunity at some point to sell the business, and you're also then not only getting the revenue from the sale of the business, you're collecting rent. Yeah. Or if you decide to shut the business down, you can still lease the building. You can sell the building. Like It As just my, gives you so much more yeah. freedom. And especially, I would say, for a CrossFit gym, it's probably one of the most important things you could do if you're doing now because the nature of development and these these types of spaces that we need for these gyms are just few and far between. Yeah. Like industrial space is being decimated, you know, everywhere. Yeah. Um, so I think, I, I, I think of it almost like a, 
potentially like a forcing function, which is like, if I don't put that in there, I'm not, cause you know, for, for nobody that's even looked into this, if it's if you're trying to buy a building, we could assume that it's a fairly large number at yeah. which point, at which point you're going to need 15 to 20% down. Right. Yes. It, like yeah. liquid. So if you're, if, you know, so if it's a million, I'm going to need to come to the table with 200,000. And if you're not at least putting that in place to kind of push yourself outside of your comfort zone, you're like, well, how do I get $200,000? Well, yeah. I need to run a good business if I need to yeah. save $100,000. And then how long is it going to take me to do that? But then you look at it as, okay, like, like I want to buy my building, which has 11 units of which I have four. If yeah. I get to the point with by myself or potentially with investors and I do that, like cash flow is going to increase within my CrossFit business significantly yeah. because yes. I run the opportunity to not have to pay rent at all. Yeah. And potentially get paid for owning the building. So yeah. that's what I'm looking at long term, which means now I can pay like a really high level manager or like yeah. whatever to come in and run that business. Um, so the other thing that I've like really come to, cause I sat down with a lawyer recently was, he was like, Hey, stop, you stop personally guaranteeing these leases. Yeah. Oh God. I yeah, never yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> when you start, you don't know any better. You're like, this yeah. is my only yeah. option. I don't know. You know, yeah. um, no, it was like, you don't have to. We had to put down a six month, no, was it nine months? I think it was, I think it was six months. Six month deposit. Six our, months? Yes, when we first- I don't know any gym that could front that. We did yeah. that because it, they, we, it was a pension fund that owned the building. And they were just like, you need to personally guarantee it. Yeah. And the one thing I would not do, I was like, fuck you. Yeah. I'm not personally guaranteeing it. And so our, our, um, our broker um, got them to, they said, okay, then we want six months yeah. of rent. And we were like, all okay, right, that's I'll what we, and that. it burned off. Like we yeah. got- after two years, we got two months back, and I think oh, nice. years we got yeah. we got some of that money back. So it didn't sit there for five years, um, but that was just for a five year lease. We had to put down six months, but it was totally. I mean, I guess in retrospect, the personal guarantee might not have mattered, but you just yeah, don't, but you don't want to do that. You though. never want a yeah. personal guarantee. I would never recommend. I mean, like for buying our commercial building. You better believe I personally guarantee the shit out of everything. <laughs> like I'm like leveraged to the hilt, but I. But we own wanted to buy dirt, right? We yeah, but but that's a different dirt. scenario, though. Like it's yeah. different if you're going to personally guarantee a lease than it is if you're going to like buying. Yeah. Yeah. Never there's a, do there's that. a point. So you have to change your your paradigm, your mental paradigm that says, no matter what, you're buying the building. You're either yeah. buying the building for somebody else or buying the building for yourself. Exactly. Right. And as Grandpa used to say, boy buy dirt they don't make it anymore <laughs> i love it i love it um so you know obviously so andrea you have two coffee shops chris you, you well, have... one is not open yet actually the oh, second we bought the building we bought we the building over a year ago and we're just starting demo so that's another lesson like got it that's cool. but you know what so this is where we kind of dip a little mm -hmm. bit because it's our building still yes We've been exactly this no it's okay for a year. we own it yep. it's ours Right? But you so need to have fast, but hey, I was gonna pay for that building this year anyway, yeah. right? But it would have yeah. been nice to have like revenue paying for it instead of just draining. Instead of just our wallet. 
And instead of me, getting, <laughs> like now we're, we're presently like awaiting to hear on like more money that we've asked for yeah. from the bank. Can you give us some more money? So yeah. he actually does. Yeah. And they're like, well, um, yeah, yeah, but you I kind of did the song and dance. It seemed like it went well. Well, here, hopefully but, this week. But that's a good lesson too. Is like, hey, you know, we've grown. We've been in this. Andrew's been in the coffee business for 28 years. We've been in this CrossFit business for 10 years. So we've grown these businesses so that they're viable, so that banks are going to be able to loan us money. Yeah, also, we're not. We're less of a risk now because we've had proven track record of being successful business owners in more than one venture, not just these two, but more than one venture. So. Yeah, now it's a little bit easier to get money to move up to that next level of Plus. purchasing or whatever. And this is something that I talk to business owners, and I am fully guilty of this, and you just don't know what you don't know, which is when you start, like you're worried about making money because you don't want to pay taxes. You're like, well, I'll just run, yeah. I'll run the business. Yeah. You did. And you're just like, well, that's a really dumb idea because if at some point you're like, I want to grow and you don't have enough capital to do, like you're going to have to go to the bank. At which point, if yeah. you have five years of returns that show a loss, the bank's like, sorry, you're alive. All right, exactly. Yeah, the, the goal is to be, hey, you know what? Pay taxes, but pay taxes with lots of commas. It's, you get lots yeah, of commas. Exactly. You lots of money. Yep. And the thing that sucks, though, is honestly, what's really unfortunate is they only loan money to people that have money and actually a screw yeah. up that i did make um that i will admit to that's highly embarrassing is when we first opened a friend of mine was a banker and was like let me help you guys oh, let, yeah. let me get an sba loan for you and so we went through the process it was 50k and it was like so hard to get it and mm -hmm. sba loans are guaranteed like i think 90 percent is guaranteed 80 or 90 percent is guaranteed by the oh, sba gosh, so this. the bank isn't on the hook for that much money the risk is very mitigated for the bank if you do an uh, SBA loan. Got it. Because the SBA is guaranteeing 80 or 90%. I can't remember which it was. Um, I think it's 80%. So it was a $50,000 loan. Which, and by the time we got it, we didn't need it. Like we were up and running. Like the process took forever. SBA loans take longer too. And we thought everything's cool. We're like, fine. I went to refinance my house and they had a lien on my house essentially for $10,000 worth of risk. And my house had hundreds of thousands of dollars of equity. And like, I couldn't refinance my house. We had to pay the whole loan off. Because oh, wow. I, this is what's embarrassing to admit. I had no fucking clue that they had put a lien. I signed some paperwork. That said, here, take said, this here, house for $10,000. Oh my God. For God. $50,000. But it was guaranteed, 40,000 of it was guaranteed by the SBA. Yeah. So essentially, the bank, like, and so banks will always try to, to take over, yeah. as much as you will let them. Um, and if you've never borrowed before and you don't have a ton of assets, they're less likely. So now when you have a history, they don't, it's easier to, well, you're more aware. But yeah, like anyone that's like looking for a loan or an SBA loan, like be careful that you don't um, do what yeah. I did. That's super <laughs> funny. The guarantee would deck more money than we borrowed. Yeah, yeah, it made yeah. no sense. Like, like, we had a, a fifty thousand yeah. dollars check to borrow fifty thousand. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, this is a good idea or not? This math seems weird. Yeah. I'm not sure how this banking thing works yet, but this yeah. seems a little bit odd. It's rough. Um. So the the last thing I want to chat with you guys about is just so obviously you guys have been in positions where you have managers in place in your businesses yeah and what are some of the things that you guys have learned over the years as far as like either mistakes or how do you go about either a figuring out if like do i need a manager or like how do i pay for a manager or or 
just that whole because that's a big it is it's a big bear you know it's, it's, it's i think that i would say the hardest thing about if you ever talk to anyone particularly of the small business and i'm i think you'll agree if anyone ever says like what what's hard about running a business you're like employees people yeah. staff like that's always the big challenge and for me um well, you just hired a new manager at the coffee shop. I did. Yeah. I just hired a GM who worked for me 23 years ago, which is pretty awesome. And he was like one of the best guys I ever had. And he came back to me now has like a wealth of experience. But I feel like it's my karma because I've been so bad. Uh, my biggest fault in managing is I'm too generous Super, too yeah. soon. And so, and I trust too easily. Um, I've, you know, had theft issues at my coffee house. Most recently had some pretty... I mean, gosh, like I had my eye off the business a little too much, a little too focused on the gym and thought like gave a lot of trust to someone who was a manager. And like, I don't even want to like, I mean, it was bad. Well, there's two lessons there. One, a, you need to stay connected to your business, but you don't need to be a labor or an employee in your business. So you put, you build your spec ops team, you build your team of people that, that are going to run your business for you. I think you should try to build a business that you can walk away from at any moment and the business still runs. In order to do that, you have to develop a team of people that, that can do that for you. One of them would be a general manager. So you need to embody trust and in, in growth and in, in mentor that relationship. But at the same time, you still have to be, uh, you still have to be engaged. Yeah, there's some I think oversight. your mistake was there was like a little bit of absentee owner because you have a lot of things going on mm -hmm. and over-trusting that person, thinking that they were doing a good job without kind of rechecking it. Yeah. But that's a viable lesson because for your new manager now, Oh. You're still keeping tabs and you're grooming yeah. and teaching and learning. And as he's running your business, he's, you're, you're in there and he understands that. And it's just working out so much better. And same thing for the gym. It's, it's same yeah. thing happen for the gym. Yeah. If you have someone around for a long time, they can be good. But like, uh, they, be, I they mean, get complacent. People though. get complacent. Yeah. I think people develop a sense of entitlement to a certain degree, especially if they're seeing like numbers coming in and they're like, oh, the gym's making all this money. You know, I know, you know, we had a big move mm -hmm. and that cost us like $500,000. Like, you know, high five. high five. We have six more loan payments on that, on the one loan. Yeah. Oh, nice. Super yeah. cheap loan. We, we didn't pay it off because it's like almost three, free money. Three and a half percent. Yeah, it's almost free money. We're like, well, we just leave that, yeah. So what are some of the safeties that you, like in, with hindsight, like if you're bringing on a general manager, like what are some things that you like now put in place to make sure well, you that you don't, that you just kind of like that you can execute on the trust, but verify piece, which is like, you're going to give this thing, but like, I still need to make sure that there's like parameters in place that we can make sure that you're doing your job. Yeah. Clear written expectations, yep. I think are like really important. And I mean, I've known this forever and I've always said it, but I always forget it and don't act on it. But it's like, it's much easier to get nicer than it is to get tougher people you're not managing people's expectations if you're super cool and then you have to like throw down the hammer and like be tough like they don't like it, it it's just common uh, human nature yeah so i think setting very high expectations from the get-go and some kind of accountability yes. i we were both at the gym both of us did this and at my coffee house i didn't have enough accountability in place for either place too trusting and then what happens is I think the thing that you forget is like, hey, you can have a great employee. Everyone's not an entrepreneur. Somebody could be a really good yeah. worker, yeah. but like we, all of us, we don't need accountability because we're always yeah. going to try. You know what I mean? But that's 
seriously, I think in at this point, I think that's really like the one percent. Yeah. Like even a really great manager with no accountability, it's kind it's of easy to slide. Yeah. Slide I've, down. Because one of the things that I've found to be effective is is kind of the reverse, right? So like I think about it, if if I wanted to, I, I kind of reverse engineered it, and this is what I do now. Mm-hmm. If I because I'm a like an entrepreneurial spirit and I'm like independent and want to be left alone. So how do I get my boss to leave me alone? I'm like, I give him all like way more information than he wants. So yeah. now I go the other way, which is I demand a ton of information so that we're on the same page. And it, once I'm, once I'm consistently getting what I want, then I'll start to back off. But at first it's like, what about this? What about this? What about this? Give me the numbers. I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. Yeah. That's I, how I like but I didn't do that at first. I was just like, you're good. I like you. We're friends. Like, yeah, good job. Yeah. yeah. I, I do it like you do. I've always, Andrew always yells at me because I'm fucking tough. Like, but my expectations are really, really, really high. And I expect you to perform really, really, really high. Right. So I'm super hard. Make them earn. Make them work hard. But have there's, these, there's a balance. There's a balance. And, and she helps me out with that balance. But the same thing <laughs> that you're saying, Fern, is like, so you set this expectation really, really high, and everybody's going to strive to to reach that expectation no matter what. So if they fail a little bit, man, I'm getting so much more than what their little expectation was. Yeah. And then you, like you say, you reel it back in where you almost don't, you know, almost not necessary because they're trying to please, they're still trying to reach that expectation on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So you're in a much better position, I think, to overexpect than to under expect. Well, I think so it's speak. all about, it's the initial investment. You need yeah. to invest the time and the energy with that person, with yeah. whoever it is in getting them to, oh. and in being accountable, getting a lot of information from them, keeping that communication really tight, all of that kind of stuff. And that's, what's easy to miss, especially when you're growing really fast and you're really busy. It's easy to like, and I don't know, I don't well, know also, if you have this, but there's a, there's a certain amount of time, even if, like we don't have to be in our gym. Mm-hmm. We don't have to coach. We don't like it runs knock on wood pretty darn well. However, there it you can't really put a finger on it, but there's a certain amount of time if both of us are not plugged in enough, you can feel you when feel shit's starting bit, yeah. to get it. Do you know what I mean? It's no, like, I, I absolutely. It's like it's like so and it doesn't even mean you have to be involved in, in anything sometimes. No. Like yeah. you simply have to be in the building. Like people yes. are Oh shit! Oh, shit. He's yeah. here. The boss, the boss is here regularly, so we can't mess around. Like yeah. we, we have to do what we're supposed to do. I think it's the same thing. Like on seminar staff, like you, yeah. like for the longest time, like I, I don't. It never happens anymore. But you guys remember the day back yeah. in the day, like when the Flowmasters, like listen, David or or Coach can walk in here at any Anytime. point, like oh. any point, and and like and for years, I was like, maybe he is gonna walk in here. Like I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Like, I'm gonna do my job and not mess this up. I'm just like, yeah, exactly. so yeah. yeah, you know, it's funny. We're we brought on like three or four new coaches this last couple of weeks or whatever. And I always make it a point to when it's their time to run like their first couple of classes to not be in the gym because when I'm here, it just flusters them, you know? Yeah, so like, go ahead, man, do your thing. It's gonna be great. I'll pop in, you know, later on down the road a little bit just to kind of check you out because. Hey, I don't know why. <laughs> I'll, sometimes, sometimes what I'll do is like, because there's plenty of places for me to kind of like, not necessarily hide, but not necessarily be in view of the coach. Mm-hmm. So I'll pop in at certain times when they're running a class or something like that, and just kind of be around. Yeah. 
Oh, you're they don't know. That. They don't know that I'm there. And if maybe something's not going the way that I want, maybe I'll just kind of like walk through the gym real quick, and all of a sudden, like it goes significantly better. You know, I'll just yeah. I'll just kind of like walk through. I won't say anything. I'm just kind of like make okay. my presence okay. known. Oh, and they're presence. like, oh, they're like, and all of a sudden they're like, oh shit, I'm late. You know. So the goal is this, right? I think the goal is this. Can I have my presence or you and your presence? in the gym when you're not there. It's someone else gonna take the reins and make that possible. So I feel very lucky because we have a couple of people that are tight. Yeah. They walk in, people are like, oh, dang, all right, this person's here, you know, and you can just feel it, yeah. So I think that's the goal, because then you actually, have, I think you have a real business where, hey man, you don't need to be there. You know, everything's going great, yeah, check in. And going back to like your general manager stuff, I think that having some kind of routine, routine kind of check-in, how are things going, at whatever time interval you want to set up because that person says no that's i think it's going to help with that accountability because they're like yeah. oh that's you know what i have a, a monday morning report or, or every other friday report or whatever i do mine sporadically which is kind of cool but having some kind of routine or something that just says yeah man you're responsible i'm still i'm still here i might be not here every single day but i'm still here thinking about this looking at this you know it's still a business it's, so it's stating the obvious but i realized from what you said Fern, like the problem i think is is that Typically, if you're an entrepreneur, you don't like being micromanaged. Right. Hate it. And you don't want to micromanage people because it's no. easier to do shit yourself than to keep tabs on someone else doing stuff. So it's so, I think that's why it's really hard in, be, with that type of personality to then hire and train people effectively because you don't, not only do you not need that kind of training, you don't do well with it. it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, so I it's hate hard it. to take yourself out of the equation and i do have to remind chris on a frequent basis like this is not a tier one asset these are civilians like we are dealing with regular people but so uh, that's where i was actually gonna go with this next one is like i've had more than a couple people tell me that just straight up they're just like i don't know how people work here like the like it's <laughs> And, and listen, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not like a, I'm not this weird, you know, dictator or anything like that. But the, like, it's what you said, Chris, like the expectation is high. And if you don't meet it, I don't feel there being any value in beating around the bush about missing the mark. It's just like, it's not personal, but like some people are wildly uncomfortable with that. They're just like, yeah. you know, when I, like after somebody's in a class, I'm like, Hey, that class was late. We can't do that. Like, here's where you lost your time. You need to fix yeah. that, period. Like, I'm yeah. not mad at you. But that's just where we're at. Like, it's just like, yeah. you have to fix that. You know? I, like, some, but some people just, they're just like, I don't know how people deal with this type of, um, with this type of expectation. And I'm like, then, then, then it just might not be for you. Like, I don't know what to say. Chris is constantly saying this. It's like, um, oh yeah, I love you as a human being. Totally. I'll have dinner with you, hang out with you, but I can't use you on my team. <laughs> like, can't do it. That's a, real, that's a real thing. Yeah. One coach this morning, brand new, not brand new coach, but leading his first couple classes or whatever. And he's talking, okay. And he's going over the wad, okay. And then we do some burpees, okay. Then we're going to run, okay. I wrote on the board, I'm like, stop saying okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what he did? Okay. He stopped saying okay. Oh, he, did. <laughs> he did, right? Away. Like, oh, okay. All right. I'm saying okay. I, was like, I, I wasn't even aware I was saying okay, but okay. A thousand, yeah. every other word, you know. But yeah, but I and I and I think most people, and I don't want to say it's a generational thing, but what I, like most people are just have not been in a community or in a group where the feedback was that free flowing, where where it was just okay 
for everybody involved, you know, for somebody to say either up or down, you suck. Yeah. Not, not you as a person, you did not do well at that thing and, and it needs to get corrected. Yeah. But so ask yourself this and me and Andy always kind of debate about, uh, Hey man, we're striving for excellence, right? We're striving for magnificence here. So why can't I push people to be magnificent? Why can't I have that high expectation? Like, why do I need to settle for less than that? I don't think I need to settle for less than that. I don't think I need to surround myself with people that don't want to be better. You know, they might not reach way up here, whatever I'm looking for, but man, they're still striving to be better. They're still striving to be excellent, striving to be magnificent. Like, I don't feel like I need to, I just don't feel like I need to freaking compromise. Compromise. I just don't feel like I need to, you know? There's, so, no, val- there's no value in it. And what I accordingly. There's just what what I think long term, and I think the problem with this is this is a long term game, which is like you set that standard. Now the standard becomes the filter. People who know they're not going to do well there don't show up anymore. Hey, you know, or if they do, or if they do, they quickly come to the realization, be like, "This is not for me." But thanks, not for me. I'm out. Yeah, like that's cool, man. There's a lot of things you can do. It's like, hey, it's not for you. That's cool. I'm still gonna love you, man. Look, I'm not gonna hate you at all. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, but. I just don't think I need to settle or compromise on what I believe in, you know? So, it, yeah. And I think, I think all that does is it, 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 it attracts the right people to your business, people that do want to improve, people that are, you know, super goal-oriented and see working for Chris and Andrea as value to them. They're like, hey, I'm going to get something out of being underneath, you know, being in their tutelage, and, and I'm going to learn some things I'm going to develop. And, and I've, you know... And this will unfold as, you know, when I, when I die, but like I look at the end of the day and I want my gym and my coaching staff to be probably someplace where people go and they develop and they go to something better. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That should be the point. That's, that's what I think we're trying to do too. It's like, man, you know what? This isn't a, a, this isn't a end state. This is like on your way to greatness, you know, on your way to something else that you want to do because you should want to do something else besides this, make, make some significant impact, be great, you know, and like, Hey, use this as a, as a place to learn, to educate, to mentor, to try to fail, to inspire, you know, do all those things while you're here. And then when it's the time for you to go, man, I'm gonna give you a big old hug, a high five. And like, what else can I do for you? You know? Yeah. And, and hand you off to the next big thing. Be like, Hey, I've got resources available to you. Like, where do you want to go? Like I can push yeah. in that direction, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely you don't want to hold. I think that's one thing that's hard is when a lot of times when people are in business, they get really myopic. And if they have a really good employee, they fear so bad losing them that they just want to hang on too tight. And uh, or you just the thought of replacing someone. And I definitely think I've done that with managers in the past. Just I just didn't want to deal with the hassle of replacing them at that time. So I kind of compromised just or like, you know, but then I'll get to a point where like, okay, I'm done. Now you need to go and I'll figure it out. But I think the way to be is we've actually now been in this space. We have had more people, like we have a guy leaving um, who's been great. He joined the army um, and leaving not in an opportune time, the end of the summer, but we just, it's like suddenly the universe just provided like more people came than we, I would have, I was like, Oh snap. Like, yeah, this has been cool. You know? Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. 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 And like, what are you gonna do? You gotta put some hands there. You gotta have some people like, ah, it's gonna be all right. Somehow it's gonna be all right. Yeah. We we will we will be just fine. Yeah. 
out. We're going to be all right. Somehow it's going to work. I don't know how yet, but it's going to work out. And yeah, we got some new great faces in. You know, it's super, yeah. super cool. Yeah, it was funny. We're talking about, you know, this is kind of a pass through space. I'm super proud of the fact. I bet you, I don't know the exact number. How many coaches have we had that's come in and opened up another gym? What do you think? Chad, Ellen, um, Jamie. Jamie. Um, I bet you like five Alyssa. or six. Of, yeah, about five or six coaches have come started here as you know an assistant coach moved up to our head coach they've gone off and opened their own crossfit space somewhere and i'm like that's pretty freaking cool you that know? most people would be afraid of that but i oh, think yeah. that, that is like that is probably the mark of like true leadership in my mind I, I think of it as like you know like professional coaches you know how many assistant coaches under that coach have gone on to be a head coach and you're like yeah, yeah that's where you want to be yeah oh, so, no, i agree with that wholeheartedly i think for just like you said i think for both of us like are one of both of us have a passion for not just developing coaches but like developing people like better humans mm -hmm. like same as at my shop like they're not coaching but like hey i want to make i want them to leave better than they came in yeah you know it's not about just taking something from them like it's not just an exchange of like mm -hmm. money for work it's like we take pride and pleasure in seeing other people grow and do well and be yeah. happy like that's you know what makes things meaningful like anyone yeah. can make money you know i'm not anyone true. some people <laughs> that's true too yeah, yeah. <laughs> not everybody can make you know money I mean? yeah, that's another thing um cool well listen i uh chris i know you got to get on that bike and go for a ride um this was amazing. Like if this never saw the light of day, this would have just been beneficial for me. Uh, but I think everybody who listens to the podcast is going to get a tremendous amount of value out of this. So thank you guys for your time. I really appreciate it. This is awesome. Such You're a so pleasure, awesome, man. Yeah. We got to get together in person for real. Yeah. We do. I need to, I need to just make a trip up there. And it's funny. It's like three hours away and like, Oh, Actually, the traffic. A, couple, a few <laughs> of our seal pups are stationed down there now. So we were talking about, I know they're at my gym. Oh yeah. I sent them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Good. So, so, yeah, Kyle and Matt and or Kyle and Thomas. Yep. 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 Good. Yep. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't remember which one, but one of them I think just kicked out the door. That's Thomas. Yeah. 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 Thomas. Yeah. yeah anyway. um, but yeah, but they'll be back, and the other one's still there. So um, yeah, very cool. Um, yeah. What I think. So we're doing like a box tour, which we're the first one's going to be in November. We're going to start in the Raleigh area, and we're going to do like. Oh, cool. Basically, basically like a YouTube mini series where we're going to drop in 10 boxes in five days and we're going to basically create 10 episodes out of it. And then right. after that, we have to figure out where our next, we're trying to do one a quarter moving yeah. forward. So we might come up to the DC area just because we can get everything get in close proximity where we don't have to do much travel. Um, yeah. But we're trying to highlight gyms that are doing it well and, and expose the community to you know, and the bads. Yeah, getting better. You know, realistically, it's just like, hey, like, you know, if, if we're all in here and we really love CrossFit, like, well, how do we make the the global community better? And which is like, hey, we give everybody the tools to be like Chris and Andrea, or like, you know, CrossFit Louv and and Daniel Chaffee and, and and folks like that who are doing it and doing it really, really well. Because there's no reason that we can't CrossFit as a whole can't be like some of those big. Uh, franchises and brands yep. like you know Absolutely. like running good businesses and it's like yeah. that's, that's what we want to do is we want to give we want to eliminate all excuses for people to suck you're like yep. <laughs> I yeah i love it you suck it's just on that's on you like that's a willing yeah. decision that you made you know yeah. and i'm so mad cool. at you because you're making my product look good because you suck get better <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah cool um all right guys i appreciate it and uh 
if you guys have any questions, hit us up, drop some, uh, some comments in the, uh, in the comment section, and we'll be happy to get you guys in touch with Chris and Andrea if, uh, if you guys want to reach out to them. But thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, All right, Vern. Have a good See day. Bye-bye. Yep. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. And just so you guys know, it is bonus week. We're going to be bringing you an episode every day, Monday through Friday this week. And we've got some great, great interviews and episodes coming your way. Check out besthouroftheirday.com if you haven't already. And you can find us on social media at Best Hour of Their Day. Or email us, besthouroftheirday at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.